Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in James chapter 1, and it reads, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits." Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and goes away at once, and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing." If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. As we begin our journey through the book of James, it's one of my favorite books. When I've taught through this previously and when I talk with other people about it, I talk about the way in which I feel like you're stepping into the boxing ring with James each time you come to the scriptures. He does a great job of calling us out on practically how our lives should be looking if we are professing brothers and sisters of Christ. And so that is a very big challenge that he brings to us because of the fact that he deals with the serious nature of our sin, the way in which we react to the things around us, and some common misconceptions that we have heard or even possibly use in our lives about how we relate to God and how we relate to sin. And so I love this book because it really challenges me each time I come to it. And so as we walk through this five-chapter book, we're going to see several of these types of challenges that it gives us about our faith and the way in which we respond to God. The first one of these that I want us to look at today comes with our relationship to sin. We can pick up in verse 12. It talks here about, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, 
because he is able to receive the crown of life. Similar to what we've been talking about Sunday mornings with our series in the book of Revelation, those who conquer and endure receive the gifts or the crown of glory. And so he says that this person does not say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And then it gives us this amazing image of being lured and enticed and drawn into your own sin by your own desires. And I think that that's an important thing for us to understand. We live in a society, we live in a situation in modern America here where people want to blame other exterior influences for the bad things in their life. Whether they recognize sin or not, they want to say that their problems are due to things outside of themselves. This is not a new concept in terms of blame shifting or pointing to others for our problems, but it is very prevalent in our day. The problems people say they have are not because of themselves, but because of the other circumstances that surround them. When we look here at what the scriptures are saying, the sin in our life that is causing many of the problems that we deal with is not because of the external, it's because of the internal. And the image here of being drawn or lured away is a very, very vivid image for me. I love fishing and I love going out in nature and doing things uh, that allow me to experience the glories of God and the majesty of what he's made. But one of the things that I do enjoy is when you're fishing in a really clear lake or a really clear body of water, and you can see the way in which the lure entices the fish towards it. They start to move slowly, 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 and then they commit fully to going after whatever it is you've used to entice them. Now, that is different than what James is talking about here, because when I'm fishing, I am luring the fish. I am tempting it. I am bringing it towards me, and I am enticing it and ensnaring it and entrapping it with what I have designed. The image that James gives us here is our sin that's within us is doing that for ourselves. It's not exterior to us. It's not something outside of us, but it's our own sinful nature that's inside us. And when we allow it to prevail, it gives birth to death, the result of sin. And so this is such a vivid picture of how if we're not combating sin in our life, we're actually allowing ourselves to continuously be lured and enticed by our sinful desires so that we are not able to be successful in defeating our sin nor in truly growing in our lives. And so when we see this, we see that James is going to be really upfront with us about the fact that we need to be focused on our Christian life and practically how we live and work out our salvation. And the end of the chapter gives us a picture that I think we need to carry with us throughout this time, this study, and really any time we come to God's word. Are we like the man who sees what he looks like in the mirror and walks away and forgets what's happening? Or when we come to God's word, do we see it for what it is? Do we allow it to penetrate our hearts? Do we allow it to work out its desired outcomes in our life as we reflect on it and we adapt and change and mold our lives into the people that God desires us to be? That's going to be the challenge for the book of James each day we come to it. Each day we look at what he's writing about. I'll be focusing on one or two of these little aspects. But throughout it, there are going to be other situations that might speak to you. As God reveals himself to you in those or through what we look at, are you willing to assess yourself, to look at yourself intently, and to walk away and make the changes that God's word is calling? That'll be our challenge that allows us to anchor our faith in him today.
As far as a question from this book, I'd like for us to look in verse 1, where it says that this letter is written to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. What is the dispersion is the question that we will seek to answer today. And so when we look into this word, what it's talking about, this word diaspora, it literally refers to the sowing of a field or the act of casting seed out into this field. And so it became a way in which people referred to the 12 tribes and how they had been scattered throughout the known world. Remember, at this point in time, the Middle East is mainly where our setting is for most of what's taking place in the scriptures. There are some events that we have found in the scriptures that are taking place in North Africa, some that are taking place in Southern Europe. And as we put this together into roughly the known world, what we need to understand is at this point in time, many of the Jews have scattered from Jerusalem. They've been spread throughout this known world, and part of the Hellenistic influences and part of the Roman Empire's impact on the known world at this time is this scattering of people. It's commonly believed that the specific scattering that's referred to here is either a result of the martyrdom of Stephen, or it's a result of the intense persecution that's taking place under Herod Agrippa in about AD 44. And so whether either one of those is the immediate situation, we can't be certain. But what we do understand is that the situation in the world is causing them to be spread throughout the known world. This is important because the individuals are seeking wisdom from the church leaders, of which James becomes one of the principal ones. James, the brother of Jesus, is a huge influencer in the scriptures, and in the book of Acts specifically for the early church. And so him writing to these people would be really on par or even more important for some of them than Paul actually doing that because of the respect that he carried within the community. And so as they received this letter, he would be listened to and truly seen as a influence that was to be followed. So the dispersion might have been meant to break up the ability of the Jews or the Christians to have an impact on the people around them. This was often a tactic that was used by empires when they were taking over people was to try to spread them out so that they're not able to influence others and lead to uprisings. But what we practically see is the spread of these people leads to the spread of the gospel. And the spread of the gospel leads to churches and people being saved throughout the known world. But that also leads to a need for leaders to be speaking into their lives and giving them guidance and helping them work through the different situations that are there. We saw Paul do that with specific churches. James here addresses them generally. He addresses them all at the same time, speaking to what are generically things that people are struggling with that he hopes to refocus their attention back on Jesus and what the truth of the gospel is and how that impacts their daily lives. So that is the dispersion here in verse 1. That's the importance of it and how God is using it to expand his kingdom at that point in time and to allow people to come into saving knowledge of who he is. Whatever it is that your question is about here in James chapter 1, I pray that you seek it out with humility, the answers that you will find, and that you do commit to placing yourself before the mirror and the lens of the scriptures to see what God is saying to you today about how he desires to mold and shape you to be more and more like him each day. As we commit to doing that together, may you know you are loved. You're-